We're talking about ministry today. Got nothing to do with eyebrows. What a great segue. On fire today. Ministry is about giving of ourselves, our time, treasures, and talents to bless and help others. Ministry is a willful, gift-orientated calling based on one's ability to serve another. To minister to someone means to serve. That's what the word means. Now, as I mentioned in the announcements, um, sign up for our different ministry teams um, are now open. And can I tell you, uh, especially if you're newer to the church, um, we have uh, 11 ministry teams. This service, and not just this service, but the church, um, it doesn't just magically turn up and happen. Like these chairs don't magically, you know, someone doesn't wave a wand and suddenly all these chairs turn up. And um, these musicians, you know, they're, they're not just magically good at music. You know, they, they practice. You know, they, they get here like, you know, quarter to eight in the morning. Half of us are still asleep to come and set up and, you know, like the kids, you know, like they're not magically just looked after by some fairy godmother, right? Like real people serving in, in real ministries, right? And there's so many things and they're only the scene ministries, but I actually wanted to take, uh, take a quick moment to introduce to you all 11 of our ministries so that you know what they are and kind of what they do. Because some of them are very obvious and some of them actually aren't. I'm going to go alphabetical because some of our ministry leaders get a little sensitive. Like, how come we're always at the end? How come you never forget, you know? Anyway. So the first ministry is administration. Uh, administration, um, let me, can, can, I just, can I just throw out something? It's not boring. Okay, I know some of you are like, administration, I would never do administration. Administration is really fun. If you like forms... If you like Excel, if you like paperwork, okay? And for some people, that's amazing, like myself. I love it. Um, administration looks after our HR. Um, so we have HR, right, because we have staff. When, you know, we're not some dodgy, illegal, like, organization that pays, just here's a white envelope and, you know, like, we're not like that anymore, okay? We, you know, like, maybe a few years ago, we, okay, we were sort of like, hey, you know, like, you know. You know, like how much, how much offering came in? Oh, you get a raise today. You know, like we're not like that anymore. Okay, we have proper contracts. You know, we have OHNS, WHNS, all of that. Um, a, a lot of forms, a lot of the paperwork, um, data collection and storage, um, and a lot of our communications. That's what happens in our admin. Now, a lot of people, we, we take advantage of admin, but can I tell you, if there's no admin, things don't get done. Okay, admin, I think, is, is one of the most important and yet one of the hidden ministries. Um, we need some very organized people in that ministry. Uh, secondly is our finance ministry. Um, handles all of our church finances. Um, our church budget this year alone is $250,000, our budget. So we're a quarter million dollar business kind of thing. Um, that's a lot of money, right? And can I tell you, if we didn't have a finance team, that I have to deal with that. And, and, and two things would happen. Number one, I'd have a nicer car. <laughs> and then in a year's time, I would be in jail. Okay, so um, it's really great that we have a finance team that um, are really, really like, can I just, I don't know if I can say this on camera, but they're really tight. 
they're really like rigid, but that's the finance team that you want. You don't want one of these finance teams. You know, you have a car and you have a car because then we have no money. But we have an amazing finance team and, um, you know, they, they not only do they, you know, take clear you know, collect the offering, they count the offering, they, they put up our budgets, all the expenses, they're putting that through, um, you know, all bank account stuff, stuff that I have no idea about. And uh, praise be to the Lord, none of our staff actually touch any of our finances, which is great because, like, I'm the good pastor. I would only upgrade my car. Pastor James, he's looking to buy a house at the moment, so... <laughs> different standard. Uh, our third ministry is our garden ministry, which is our kids' ministry. Now, our kids' ministry actually goes from the age of like zero, pretty much from when they're born, all the way technically up to their 18. But our youth ministry, um, we've actually got uh, four high school students now. And so we haven't really had a massive need for a youth ministry, but that's a new area that we're going to look into this year. Uh, but our, our main is our primary school ministry and then our sort of three to five-year-olds, and, and they run a circus at the back. Um, and then we've got now our little little class. That's our little class back there. And so here's the thing, like, you might not like primary school kids like myself, uh, but you might like high school kids, so you might want to volunteer in high school, and that's great. And you might not like high school kids, but you might like, you know, eight-month-old babies. That's great. You can serve in that area as well. Um, but, yeah, that's our kids' ministry. Our life groups are our small groups um, we really believe that uh, church, like this is just one part of our faith, um, and this is not enough to maintain our faith. It's like, seriously, it's like going to the gym once a week and going, yeah, I'm going to be fit and healthy uh, without doing anything throughout the week. Um, our small group ministry is what we um, parallel with our, our, our ministry, and our life groups, our leaders are there to lead and facilitate our groups. So that's the, the ministry of our life groups. Now, you might not be ready to completely lead a group by yourself, um, but you might say, hey, I, I'm, can I co-lead? Can I sit under a leader, get some training for the year, and then maybe the year after, you know, get into leading? And we're, we definitely would love that. And so um, that one's super important because that one's urgent. That's happening in the next week. So um, you need to think about that one. Uh, local missions. This is probably... Um, going to be one of our big focuses this year, um, hence our hiring of our new staff, um, Anthony Bion, who's going to be leading this ministry. This is the team. Now, this isn't, please don't hear me. If, you're, if you sign up for local missions, it doesn't mean that you're the one doing the local missions. You're the team that's going to facilitate the whole church to get involved into missions. Local missions is an everyone thing. Everyone gets involved. But if you want to serve in the team, that's the team that puts together the opportunities, the dates, the organization of serving in the local community. Okay? So that's what local missions is. Uh, multimedia ministry, all things tech. Right? Starting from um, camera to the live stream to the slides that you see. Like these don't magically appear. Someone actually has to make them. Right? And then our social media, our website, which is out of date. But that's okay. We're really hoping someone who knows how to do a website signs in. Really, really. Praise be the Lord. Please, Lord. We're still, according to our website, we're still in Chatswood. So last year. Come on, you know. We need to move on. So that's our multimedia team. Our prayer team, prayer, um, once again, 
That team isn't the team. It's not the only team that prays in our church, but it's the team that helps facilitate and teaches our church how to pray. You know, sometimes we hear prayer requests, like urgent prayer requests, right? So how do we get that information out to the whole church? We go through the prayer team. Uh, We also do pray as a team as well around different prayer points. So that's the team to do that. And then there's a prayer newsletter that's been going out monthly as well. Uh, Number eight is our operations team. Anything to do with the running of, uh, used to be just running of our service, but since sort of last year, now we have a church. Um, They look after the logistical stuff of our church. So for example, um, if there's a leak in the toilet, that's operations. Um, if, if, if a light bulb, you know, breaks, that's operations, you know, getting the chairs set up for whatever event is happening, that's operations. So it's quite a big one. Um, but if you don't like spreadsheets and Excel, then this is probably the one you want to go to. Okay. Um, nine safe ministries to overlook the safe ministry component of the church. Once again, it's the team that organizes safe ministry for our whole church. And, and I really have to stress this. Like, we cannot repeat, as a church, we cannot repeat another generation of the trauma and abuses that have been involved in the institutional church. We have to be above this. And to do this, we are going to head-on attack it with a ministry that's going to facilitate for our church. Super important. Making sure that documentation, training, and checks are being done in the church so that anyone who walks through these doors can be confident that this is a safe place. This is a safe place. Uh, number 10, welcoming uh, to be the front door of the church. But not just the front door. It's about helping people settle in. It's so hard to be a new person at church. Like it's so hard when there's, you know, 70, 80 people and you're the new person. Can I just tell you, there's also an assumption in welcoming that you need to be extroverted. You need to be like, hello, everybody. And, you know, like you, everyone needs to be like Joyce Lee who wakes up and Joyce wakes up and she looks in the mirror and goes, good looking. You know, like you don't need to be like that. We all know that. It's nice to have someone like that, but not everyone needs to be like that because I tell you why. Extroverts are good for extroverts. But if an introverted person turns up to our church, right, someone like Joyce is not very nice to them. They will not come back. We need all types of personalities in our welcoming, right? We just, we do. We need that. You know, if an introverted person comes in, you know, the most loving thing is, is another introverted person to just go stand there and just be awkward together, you know, just be like, hey, Hey, you know, like we just need that, right? And the other assumption is you, you, you know, you don't need to be very good looking to be part of the welcoming team, okay? Some people have said, you know, you need to be good looking. You don't, okay? I'm not going to mention, mention any names, but look, we, it's all mixed. Uh, finally, our worship team. Uh, this is, I guess, probably the most visible team that lead us into worship. Um, that, you know, not just musically, but in song and in prayer, they lead us not just in our service, but in other events and things like that. And so that's, yeah, our team. Now, as a side note, and this is important for you to know, not all ministries are open for everyone. And I'll explain this. Uh, Firstly, uh, our finance ministry, uh, leading life groups, and our safe ministries, you actually have to be a member of the church. A member meaning you're baptized and you've gone through membership. Why? 
because there's some sensitive information in that. Really sensitive stuff. And, and we want to make sure that, that those areas are being protected as well. Garden as well? Garden as well. You need to be a member. Even just volunteer? Are you sure? Oh, okay, great. I didn't. I was not notified of these changes. <laughs> if, if, I, if I am not notified, it, is, it has not happened yet. Um, but secondly, um, garden life groups, missions, like being in the team, multimedia, operation, safe munitions, welcoming, pretty much most of our teams, we really, really require you to do the safe ministry course. Um, we thought, oh, multimedia, like why does multimedia need to do safe ministries? Because multimedia engages with people online. Anything that engages with people, we need to be safe, especially online. Have you heard about catfishing? <laughs> Have you heard about, you know, these online predators? I kid you not. Um, we, we have a live stream. And we must be becoming very famous now that we're in our millions of viewers that we now have people trying to jump on our live stream and like convert us to other religions and cults and organizations. And my initial was like, wow, we've made it. <laughs> you know, we're a somebody now, you know. But, it, you know, like things like that. How do you deal with that? Well, if and when we do the safe ministries together, then we all are on the same page on how to deal with unsafe situations. Can I tell you the last thing that I want is for our church to get on TV as an unsafe church. And not to say that, you know, all the training is going to avoid us from going through issues, right? But we need to actively, actively be be on the front foot about attacking these issues and protecting our people and our local community as best as possible. And so I do really, once again, um, you know, really uh, emphasize safe ministries training. Um, now, as you can see in the 11 ministries, there's a variety of ministries. You know, there's a, you know, it's not just about can you sing or can you smile or do you like kids? But there are so many different ways that you can serve. You can do ministry, right? Like, and, and I think we're at a really interesting era of our church, the church, especially with COVID. Because we're now moving, I think, a lot more into the online realm. And can I just tell you this, right? Serving in the church has got nothing to do with whether you're comfortable coming in or serving online. There are so many different ways now to serve the church. It's actually just going to be about whether you desire to serve the church, right? Um, but if, if these are all the areas of serving the church, and we're in a series called Why, the question that we're going to ask today is this, why do we serve? Like, I can tell you, hey, these, these are all the areas to serve and you need to sign up and you need to be a part of this. But the whole point of our series this, this January is we need to pause and ask ourselves, why? Why do we need to serve? Why do we need to do and be active in ministry? Let me start with three reasons why you shouldn't serve. Number one, because the pastor told you to do it. 
Can I tell you, if you serve and join a ministry because the pastor told you to do it, right? Something goes wrong, it's going to be the pastor's fault, not my fault. Take no responsibility, right? Don't do it because someone told you to do it. Secondly, um, this, is, this is going to relate to some people more than others. Do not serve and join a ministry team because the person that you're attracted to is also serving in that team, okay? I know some of you are like, huh? Right? I'm talking to the singles, okay? Maybe those in uni, maybe in high school. You know, we've all done it before. I know the oldies are like laughing, right? But you're like, you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> you know, we, we do crazy things for people that we love, right? Don't join a ministry team just for that reason, okay? And thirdly, don't do it because you feel like it's a religious duty. Don't do it because it's like some kind of Christian obligation, right? So why serve then, okay? And we're going to go to Scripture to teach us why as Christians we engage in ministry. Five reasons. Number one, Jesus served. Mark chapter 10, verse 40 to 45. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be a slave for all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many." Jesus came to earth to serve. And why I start with this, and there are five, as I said, there's five, but why I start with this is as Christians, Jesus is our Lord and Savior. He's the one we worship. And yet, when He came to us, He didn't come be like, hey, everyone, you need to worship and serve me, but He actually came to serve. He gives us the model of who we should aspire to be. And if Jesus came to serve, if the Son of God came to serve, and if he's our model of faith, then we should follow. We should serve because our Lord and Savior served us. Secondly, we're all a part of one body, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 14. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Christians are described as the body of Christ, meaning you put all the pieces together to make the body. You put all the pieces together to make the church. Why do we serve? Because we are all pieces and parts of the body of Christ. But we have different roles. We can't do everything. One person can't do everything. Right? I'll tell you this. I cannot do everything. Trust me. You don't want me to do everything. You know, some of you should sign on to the worship team because you can sing. And some of you shouldn't because you cannot sing. Let's just put it out there, right? Some of you should serve our kids' ministry because you love children. And some of you shouldn't go near them because you have anger problems, right? 
Some of you should serve in the finance team. And some of you shouldn't because you can't count. Because that would be a problem. See, here's the thing. When we all recognize, right, what the Bible says, right, each and every one of us is a part of the body, right? If you don't serve, meaning if you as a part of the church do not do what you are meant to be doing, do you know what that is? That's called dead weight and actually becomes burdensome, right? It, one, it becomes burdensome to the rest of the body. And secondly, it means that a part of our body is not functioning, right? Now, every single part of the body is important, right? Eyebrows, right? I don't know why I'm having a go at eyebrows. Do you know why we have eyebrows, right? It's to redirect sweat and rain off your forehead, and some of us have nice foreheads, and it's to not let the water go directly into our eyes. Now, some of you, like, we all take eyebrows for granted, right? But have you, have you like, last time you got water in your eye and you weren't expecting it, and you're like, you know, like, it's very uncomfortable, right? You know, you all know what I'm talking about, right? Like, imagine, like, living like that. Eyebrows are very important, right? But imagine if we had no eyebrows, it'd be very difficult very uncomfortable. Can I tell you, some of you, and, and, and I know some of you are like, well, you know, like I'm new to the church. I don't really have many gifts. You know, I don't really know how to do anything. And I'm like, hey, whatever God has given you, everyone has a talent. Everyone has a gift, right? Everyone does. It's just a question of whether you're going to choose to exercise and use that and let it function within the body. Because when one part or some parts of the body aren't functioning, then the body is not healthy. It's only when we pull together and exercise the gifts that God has given us, together we become the healthy body of Christ. That's why we serve. Number three, because church is our home and not a hotel. Ephesians 4, 11 to 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Can I tell you, church is not a service provider, even though we think like this, right? Church is not a service provider. Church is not a place where you come, you pay your money, and you get a service out of it. That is called a hotel. That's called retail, right? The reason why we serve is because church is not a hotel. Church is not a service provider, but church is a home. And specifically, it's your home, right? This is your spiritual home. See, the difference between the mindset of going to a hotel and going to your home is in the area of serving, right? When you go to a hotel, you pay your money, and then you have a certain expectation of what you should get out of it, right? No one goes to a hotel and makes their bed. No one does that. The whole point of going to a hotel is not to make your bed, right? That's the beauty of it. Sometimes, like... My bed's not even like that messy and I mess it even up more. Right? Just because that's what I'm paying for. Right? But you do that at home, you mess up your bed more, that just means you have to clean it more. Right? That's the difference. 
It's the expectation of what you get out. At home, you have your roles and you have your responsibilities and you have your rights. You know, and Ephesians, the passage we just read, gives us an example of some of the ways that these responsibilities are exampled, but there are many more. But the point is this. Church is your home and not a hotel. It means that you are freely welcome to come and freely able to enjoy family life. Right? But it also means that you got to do your part in the family. You know, I, I have five kids. I have to keep reminding myself this. And um, numbers one, two, and three, they all now have chores, right? And every year, they, they, the, the chores change because they graduate. So Chris, uh, my oldest, he used to be on bins. He used to be on bins. And then now, well, he's sort of borderline going to move to gardening soon. And then Ben, our second, is moving to bins. And now Anna is on recycling, right? Now, if the kids come up to me and like, what do I have to do this? Get out. You know, like, it's, you know, no, just kidding, just kidding. If you're new to the church, I love my children very much. It's not like that at all, right? <laughs> oh. um, you know, I'm teaching my children what a home is. Right? I'm teaching them what a home is, what they should expect when they live in my house. You can have a bed. You can have safety and security. You can have a meal. But you know what? You've got to do your chores. You've got responsibilities too. It's exactly the same. And on this note, there's an extra bit to this one. I don't know where I heard this from, but I think this is so profound. When we all serve, we all get to rest. Right? The, the idea of sabbatical is that you know God created the world in six days and then on the seventh day he rested. And I remember, I don't know if it was a podcast or a sermon, I remember listening to someone saying, when the church, when everyone serves, right, we all get to rest. And, and, and what that means is this. If you have a church of 52 people, right, and one of the jobs is to be the door opener, person at the front of the door welcoming people in, right? If you've got five people in this team, that is, that's going to be doing this, right? That means they have to do it 10 times a year, right? And they get 40 weeks of rest. If we have a team of 10, then that means they only have to do it five times a year, right? But imagine if we had 52 people doing it. That means you only have to serve once, and that means 51 weeks of the year, you actually get to rest. That's like our kids and our parents right now, right? So we, five weeks in January... All of our parents are taking a turn one Sunday to watch our kids in the back. And that means for the other four Sundays, all of our parents get to actually be in service and rest. When we all serve, we all get to rest. And that's really, really important. But when, when we're not all serving, that means the lion's share of the work is being done by a handful of people. It's just not fair. It's not loving. It's burdensome. So... Church is our home and not a hotel. The fourth reason why we serve, we love each other. We're meant to love each other. 1 Peter 4, 8 to 11. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. 
offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. We serve because we love. We serve each other because we love each other. When someone is in need, we do whatever it takes to feel that need. And as Christians, we're called to love each other. But in loving each other, we're called to serve each other. And we do it out of love, not out of duty or obligation. But actually, it's a joy. Now, you can, you can replace the word serve and give as well. We give because we love each other, right? At 1 John 3.18, Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. It means talk is cheap, right? Talk is cheap. Don't tell me you love me. I'm an acts of service guy, right? That's my love language. You can tell me, you can write it in a card. You can write me an essay of how much you love me, and I don't feel it. But you come over, you mow my lawn, you watch my kids, you, know, you bring some lunch over, I feel so loved. It's biblical. Love, not just with word and tongue, but in deed and truth. We serve because we love each other. Finally, we, we serve because we're called to be different from the world. Isaiah 58, then 10. Feed the hungry. Help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. Matthew 5, 14, 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, we live in a world that promotes self. It's all about me. It's all about my happiness and my pleasure. It's all about what I can get, about my kingdom, about my possessions, right? But as Christians, we're called to be different from the world. We're called to serve because serving makes us different. When the world tells us to live for yourself, God calls us to live for others. When the world says, look out for yourself, God calls us to look out for our brothers and sisters, when the world says, hang out with people that are similar to you, God says, love your enemy. The world says, you need to consume. God says, you need to contribute. When the world says, get what's yours, God says, give what is yours away. We serve because we're called to be different from the world. We're called to shine a light in this dark world. Don't serve. Don't sign up to a ministry team because I told you so. Don't do it because you feel guilty or shame. Do it because you love. Do it because you honor Jesus who served you. Do it because God, the almighty creator of heaven and earth, first served you. 
The other one is this. Don't serve just because there's gaps, right? Serving should be gift-based too and calling-based, right? Serve out of, you know, the gifts that God has given you. Don't serve to look good, but serve because you want to love well. Serve because God has gifted you with time, talents, and treasures to build up the church. Serve because you believe that when the scripture says it is better to give than to receive, that you really believe that. Now, let me finish with uh, two stories of serving to encourage you. Uh, number one is our build church, and I call it our build home. Um, we moved eight years' worth of stuff from our Chatsville campus to build about a month, two months ago. A lot of stuff. If you've ever moved house, right, it's like, where did all this stuff come from, right? You just accumulate and accumulate. And, uh, we, we, you know, we had like four or five carloads of stuff that we brought over one Sunday. And people were organizing stuff, but in the lobby, there would have been about 20 boxes and bags just sitting there. No real ministry. There were sort of things that weren't really belonging to a specific ministry or a group. You know, someone had to organize it, but no one was organizing it. No one knew what to do. Until a few weeks ago where one couple, one couple, after church on a Sunday, not because anyone told them to, right? They just stayed back and organized those 20 boxes, put them in places, labeled those things. And can I tell you, the craziest thing about this couple was they did it while they were babysitting their two kids. So it's not like, you know, serve, you know, when you've got the opportunity. You serve just where you are. I'm so grateful for families and, and couples like that. And, and you know what? If you ask them, why did you do it? Why would you do that? They will, this is our home. When it's your home, you don't leave unpacked boxes around. You unpack them. You work them out. Uh, secondly, second story, around uh, Christmas uh, last year, we announced that because when we upgraded, when we came to Burr, we need to upgrade our, our equipment. And, and this is not, this is our, our one-off story, but this is, uh, it's happened so many times in our church. Um. You know, we, we took a, a special Christmas offering, um, and, and what was amazing was um, on that day, $6,000 were, were given, right? And, and we're so grateful to everyone that gave. Um, but one of, the, one of the stories that I heard um, was um, a young man um, who is a part of our church. Um, even if I said his name, most of you wouldn't know him because um, he's a part of our church, but it's hard for him to actually come to church. Uh, because of his work and scheduling, things like that. And, you know, he, he comes from a, a single family a home. And I know, I know his story. I know finances is not abundant for him. And yet, his offering on that day, um, and, and he, he actually, he told me, he said, yes, Steve, it's actually the first time I'm, I'm giving this kind of offering. And I just felt like, you know, God wanted me to do it. He gave a third of that offering. Christmas Day. And I was like, wow. And in my mind, I'm like, why would you do that? Like, 
you got you got family to support, you got bills to pay, you know, you're not even in the leadership of our church. And what he would tell you is, for him, this is family. The family had a need. So, because he could feel the need, he filled the need. It was as simple as that. See, when we understand the church to be the body of Christ, the family of God, serving becomes very different. Right? At your workplace, if someone says, hey, can you co- contribute and volunteer some extra hours or some finance? Like, can you imagine doing that at your workplace? Hey, guys, we need a new photocopier. We're just going to pass this bucket around. <laughs> okay, we'll start with you, finance team. And then we'll go around to, the, you know, operations and communications and then, you know, come around and... No way. Because it's a workplace. But church is not like that. Church is the family of God. Man, I could tell you story on story on story. Like, literally, our Burwood church is built on the generosity of people. Every single person in this place online that has been giving financially, that has been giving their time. I still remember the first cleanup that we had to do. That, that was like, and, and, and you know, everyone that came really did so much, but there were these three guys and they were like, literally, they were, they were relatively new to the church, but the beauty was they all had really big muscles, right? And literally, they rock up and we didn't even know they were going to rock up, so it was great, you know? And they're like, Steve, we're here for one hour, Okay. Let us know what to do. And I was like, okay, here are all the big furniture. And literally they were carrying like body bags out and like like massive, like there was so much. But I remember after they left, I remember I was talking to Abs and we were like, man, if those three guys didn't come for even that one hour, we would have been here all day. Literally. So many stories. I think our church is really healthy in the way that we love and serve our family. And I want to encourage you to continue to do that. And if you're not serving, I want to encourage you, maybe this is the time for you to get involved. It said, it's not about what you do. It's about why you do it. And if we understand that when we serve the church and serve each other because we serve God and we love him, right? You don't need anything else. You don't need acknowledgement. You don't need people to be like, hey, you're doing a great job. Because you know you're serving God. You know that he is pleased with you. I pray that our church, that the spirit of that would never change. That our church would never be about the one big giver or the few people that are serving the most. But it would be about everyone just doing their part. Because that's what builds the body of Christ. And that's what we are. That's why we serve. Let's pray.